Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. to the Tiger Woods Podcast, episode 39, right here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Cam Rogers coming at you. Bridget Whalen alongside. We are so glad to be with you here the first week of May. Folks, we are getting there. Warmer weather for my Northeast friends out there. For Bridget, she's doing okay in Orlando, Florida. Rate, review the show. DM us on a social media. Let us know what you think about the program. I'm on Twitter, at MrRogers99, and on Instagram, at MrRogers98. Bridget on both of those social media platforms, at Bridget K. Whalen. Here's what's on tap here today. A jam-packed show. Tiger versus Phil. More details about that. Plus what Tiger said about what actually destroyed his body early on in his career. Very interesting details there. Plus we have another charity golf tournament. Fowler, Wolf, DJ, and Rory. It's a charity event indeed and it's going to be a good one. We'll talk about that later in the program as well. Other notes around the tour and our Wednesday wackiness right here on the Tiger Woods podcast presented by betonline.ag. I welcome in Bridget and Bridget, there's a lot to talk about in the golf world, which is a great thing to say considering this whole pandemic thing. Hello there. Yes, lots of golf news coming at us. Let's start things off. I'm like, I don't know what else to say. I was going <laughs> to say, I'm good, but I was like, he didn't say, how are you? So, Well, I'm let me good. ask, how are you? I'm good. I'm down here in sunny Florida. It's a beautiful day today, Yeah, as always. <laughs> is it humid or is it just like regular warm? So for me, I don't consider Orlando like ever humid. Even in the height of the summer, uh, so I'm going to go with it's not humid. I'm also from Connecticut, which people don't realize is like the humid capital of this country. <laughs> New York City, Connecticut, the pollution, it's just like it's, the air is so dense down here. The air is so clear. Even when it's humid, I'm like, but I could breathe. So we're all good. Hey, there you go. That's all we can ask for, right? Let's talk about Tiger, Phil, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning here. Of course, the match champions for charity, Tiger and Manning versus Brady and Mickelson will air on TNT as we discussed, most likely for Memorial Day time frame. So there's more and more buzz, Bridget, that Medalist will be the location of this event. The governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, says he supports the event being in his state. Brady recently joined nearby Seminole Golf Club, so there's some regional aspect there. Mickelson is moving to Jupiter Island this year. Maybe. Maybe. Are you leaning towards medalists being the be-all, end-all here? No, I'm not. And really? I actually did some research. And so medalist was only approached, and I think it was to sort of gauge, like, you know, if there'd be interest in, in that, in hosting something like this. But I did a little research and the sticking point looks like it would be money mm. because medalist doesn't need the exposure and its members aren't really, you know, keen on paying for the TV rights. So I think that a member state, I'm pretty sure the article I read said that a member stated 
that they really were just approached to sort of gauge availability. So I don't know. I'm going to say that it'll definitely be in Florida, but I don't think it'll be there. So there is a line in the sand, if you will, if you're medalist in that even a tournament or event like this doesn't really entice them to actually get that much exposure. I mean, we're talking about a lot of eyeballs on this event, Bridget, right? Yeah, but you have to keep into consideration it's a private course. They're not private courses aren't just going to change because of a pandemic. Sure. So I don't know. I mean, maybe. And I, like Tiger, you know, plays there. So I, I could see it happening. But um, I think that Seminole will probably be, I think they're going to do a test run, obviously, with, um, with the TaylorMade uh, event. So sure. I think that if that goes well, why not do it again? Like, this isn't a time to like, just take chances. Like if something works, let's do it again. Like, let's just be safe. So I think that that could probably be the front runner. So, yeah, I was actually in a way ruling out Seminole Golf Club because of that other charity event, Rory, DJ, Fowler, and Wolf. But you seem to think that, okay, maybe that's a test run. And then they come back with Tiger, Phil, and the whole bit. You think that could happen? Yeah, I mean, typically, I agree with you. If it wasn't a global pandemic, yeah, why would you do an event there twice? But now I think if they're able to, you know, have precautionary things in place there, they have it set up, you know, it goes well, um, the personnel there is kind of familiarized with it. Like why go to a new golf club, golf course and try to like, you know, replicate it if it works and it, you know, it goes off with, with, you know, pretty seamless, then, you know, why not just come back and then do it even better? You know, I don't know. I think that this is a time where things are going to be played very, very safe. And I think that that is like the utmost safest play. So yeah, the more you say this, the more it makes sense to me. Um, Just because, yeah, I think the key here is containment, right? We want to contain as much as possible to obviously combat any sort of spread of the coronavirus and all of that. So yeah, I mean, if you spread things out and do one at Seminole and do one at Medalist, you know, there's risk there. And actually, if you think about the members, they probably don't want the exposure but they also don't want potentiality of getting infected. And I'm sure that everybody's going to do the proper precautions before this whole thing gets underway, but there's still that element of worry if you're a member and you're like, well, wait, you know, we have media coming here and perhaps other tour officials of whatever capacity. Maybe I could get infected. Who knows, right? There's that in the back of the mind too, right? Yeah, I think you minimalize all of that if you just keep it at one location. You know, so like it, like you said, if you're going to go to like two different golf courses in the Florida region, like that, that kind of seems counterintuitive. I know that they're two totally separate events have, have sort of no relation to, to each other. Um, But I think that as a whole, you know, golf is one, is one community. So if something works and if it, it seems um, that they were able to do it carefully and it seems that people sort of took the precautions necessary and and they sort of know what they're doing. I I don't, I think it's perfect. And I mean, Brady joint, just join Seminole. Like, I I don't know. I think that that would be um, kind of the, the no brainer now. 
Do you have any insights into Seminole Golf Club? Obviously a very prestigious arena, if you will. And I've done some reading up on it. Do you happen to have any friends there who have played? Maybe you've been there yourself. I've never been there. It's beautiful. Um, I joked with one one of my friends when it was announced about the um, the Taylor made re- the NBC relief that we should we should drive up and use our binoculars and like look at it. But no, we're not going to do that. I was joking. Um, it's pretty close to me, but no, I, I don't really know much about it. Uh, it hasn't been televised. I don't think so. It, you know, it's not that widely known. Mm. It's never been lower than I think in the top twenty since um, since that like top. 100 courses of us the world came out in like the 60s so obviously it's an amazing venue and i'm excited to see it on tv yeah it's going to be fantastic we'll talk more about that other charity golf event but first a word from our sponsor being home with hunker is a podcast where we visit with designers artists and creatives in the spaces that express and shape their identities their homes If you love design and decor, if you're curious about how people live, or if you've been transitioning or transforming your own home, you'll love these honest conversations. Join us weekly at Being Home with Hunker. Visit hunker.com forward slash podcast, where you can find, subscribe, and listen to the show. Okay, so before we get to Fowler and the gang here, Bridget, want to look at a recent golf TV questionnaire, if you will, that Tiger Woods participated in. And he said his daily running is what destroyed his body and in particular his knees saying, quote, running over 30 miles a week for probably my first five, six years on tour pretty much destroyed my body and my knees. Now, Tiger in total has had four back surgeries and five procedures on those knees. But here's the other thing, too. Tiger, of course, as we know, I think really created this relationship between fitness and golf and really, I guess, in a way, catapulted these athletic-looking golfers like a Brooks Kepka, like a Dustin Johnson, Rory, Fowler, all these guys are gym rats. And in a way, Tiger was the launch pad for that type of golfer. But at the same time, You have to wonder, Bridget, and I would love to hear your insight on this. What does it mean about running and, you know, taking the proper precautions to make sure you're safe, you're running on a good surface, maybe you're not doing it as much, maybe Tiger's just anecdotal evidence. I don't know. What do you think about what he said here? So, (laughs) I think it's funny, actually. The floor is yours. Um, (laughs) I know. I am an avid runner, like borderline psycho, like hundred miles a week sometimes so what he I think isn't um I'm sure he is but maybe just not in this in this uh recent interview the confounding variable here is he played a ton of golf (laughs) like sir the running it's not it's all of those together so obviously over exercising is detrimental to anybody Our, our bodies you know he is superman don't get me wrong but we're not invincible Um, We have skeletons, right? So I decimated my heel. I crushed it. Like basically it could have been described as a cellophane bag full of broken glass. Oh my God. 
Yeah, and the reason that happened, I know, it's gross. Sorry for the visual, everyone. <laughs> the reason that happened was I overexercised. I ran too much. But now we're talking about like, you know, ultra marathon miles that I was running. So yes, obviously running isn't really good for the exoskeleton. We hear all the time that marathoners have to get hips replaced, knees replaced. It's a lot of pounding on right. your body. Running four to five miles a day. No, I don't think that that, <laughs> sorry, tiger. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you here, sir. I think that your, um, your explosive swing, your, your, uh, you know, playing 18 to 36 holes a day some days in addition to running. Yeah, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. Just that that's like sort of, even if you think about that, it's like all he was doing probably most days was exercising. So I think that running is, you know, it's definitely not for everyone. It definitely does a damage on your body. You should do everything in moderation, like everybody says, although we know Tiger is not really a friend to moderation. Um, good and bad for him. I mean, he's a man of habit. Why, yeah, right. That's why he's so successful is because he doesn't do anything in moderation. Uh, but no, Tiger, I don't think that the running is, is to blame. I think that the, in addition to all you were doing, running is to blame. So I think maybe it came, I think he knows that. I think maybe it just came out wrong. Um, and we shouldn't be afraid of running. It's really good for your mental health. So that's my mental health moment of the day. Especially nowadays, actually, I've seen some articles that running is making a comeback, walking is making a comeback. What is, Bridget, if I may, your injury history, aside from the heel issue that you pointed to, is it few and far between, or have there been rampant issues in your career? <laughs> uh, I, I am so lucky, and man, I wish I had some wood around so I could knock on it. <laughs> um, I do not stretch. I do not take the proper precautions. I do not take rest days. I do not eat enough protein. I do not drink enough. <laughs> Everybody <Whoa>. earmuffs. Nobody <laughs> listen. <laughs> I know. I, water. I, I, I don't drink enough water. <laughs> um, and I've been very lucky. I suffered from plantar fasciitis probably in high school. It the was worst. Oh. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And that's because um, due to other surgeries I had to have not related to uh, running, I had to take time off from running and then when I would you know get the green light to get back into running of course I would go like full throttle and obviously that leads to like shin splints right. plantar fasciitis all the things you know you can't just like race back into things like tiger I too am not a friend of moderation so I I've been super lucky um recently I have been having some ankle issues and I think that's because my footwear I definitely um like you should the amount I run, I should probably be buying new sneakers every like three to four months. And Literally, I go like yeah. almost a year without getting new sneakers. I definitely don't do, like, I am not the benchmark for success. I just have a freakish talent for running fast. And uh, if I probably took all of the like necessary steps into be being like a great athlete, I probably could have gone pro, but uh, I, you know, I'm stubborn like Tiger. I am very set in my ways. I'm actually pretty stunned that you don't even stretch. I thought you'd be like oh. a big time habitual stretcher just because of the amount of running you do. 
Yeah, I don't, and on my long runs, um, I don't bring like, you know, energy drinks or gels or anything. People think I'm nuts. I don't bring water. I don't hydrate. I do everything wrong. Like You I are salt of the earth, blue collar runner. I know. I'm crazy. I'm like the caveman runner. Like I run in my brother's old like shirts and gym shorts. Like I look like a mess. I'm like a stick fit, a homeless stick figure, like running a, a million miles a day. Um, but I run for my mental health. It really has nothing to do with anything, you know, like weight related or calorie related. Mm-hmm. For me, it really is natural antidepressant. Like, and that's the honest truth. The I run every day because, yeah, I mean, I'm manic if I don't run. So, I, and I get that from my mom. She, she's like the Energizer Bunny. Like, that's her nickname. So, I just have a lot of energy, and basically, running is the best way to get it out. There you go. And especially a big time activity these days. And I'm sure you love that just to get out of the apartment, you know? Oh, yeah. Especially where I live, like getting outside in this weather. Yeah, it's perfect. All right. So that's the deal with Tiger Phil and Tiger's health, of course. But the big time story, I think, on this podcast today, folks, is the fact that we not only have one charity golf tournament this month, but two, Rory McIlroy will partner with Dustin Johnson to play Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf in a team skins game at Seminole Golf Club in Juneau Beach, Florida, May 17th. The event will be aired live from 2 to 6 p.m. Eastern time on NBC, Golf Channel, Sky Sports, streamed on PGA Tour Live. You have it on Golf Pass, golfchannel.com as well. Plenty of ways to get this tournament The live coverage will feature commentary from Mike Tirico from his home in Michigan, Paul Azinger, Gary Koch, and play-by-play from Rich Lerner. And you have Jerry Fultz and Steve Sands on site as course reporters. So I believe this will be the first American live sports event since the pandemic. Now you could throw in maybe the UFC events that were going on and maybe some WWE, but in terms of major sports leagues, I think this is cream of the crop. And I think this is not only significant for golf, but for the mentality of the country and not to get all preachy, platitudey, politicky, but I think this could be a big time unifying event just because sports brings people together in general. But now that you have this live sports event, nobody competing with it no nfl obviously and no nba no nhl you have this on may 17th to enjoy everybody at home for the most part some states are opening up and all that but this is going to be pretty significant and bridget i'm really happy about this because we could have i believe it's going to be a double dip of this week or may 17th being this tournament and then you have tiger phil later on for Memorial Day. It's going to be a really beautiful end to the month. And I think this is fantastic. I'm sure you're pretty pumped as well. Yeah, first of all, Jerry Fultz and Steve Sands are like two of my favorite men on the planet. They're awesome. I'm just excited for that. Like, I love (laughs) them. I like, honestly, I love them. I read that and I was like, ah, that's great. Um, So I just read that there'll be no caddies. I don't know if you had known that, which I think is super cool. To see, I mean, this is just going to be like strange, surreal, unprecedented. An experiment, even. 
Yeah, I'm super excited. I know people had some quips about like, why is Matt Wolf? You know, like why not? And it's like, well, it's a tailor-made, you know, charity event. So like they got a tailor-made guy in there. Um, and I like it. I'm calling um, team Rick and Matt Agent Orange because I feel like <laughs> maybe they'll just like come out and destroy, decimate everything and you, you won't even know. And they'll just be like a flash of orange. That's my uh, that's my team name for them. Obviously, yeah, the favorites would be Rory, former number one and number one. They have um, to be. Yeah, but I, like I'm super excited. I think this is great. Like just all around great to have the first televised sporting event in like what eight, seven, eight weeks be golf. Like all eyes on golf. I I could love nothing more. Yeah, I mean, like we said before, golf is one of those adaptable sports where you can be socially distant. And Bridget, I missed that caddy part. So that's really interesting. How yeah, carrying their own bags. I mean, I'm like, that's just, I, I don't know. I'm excited to see them carry their own bags. Is that right? Weird? I don't know. That, no, I'm totally with you on that because it's going to be like college when you're watching like college golf. Oh, yeah, will it be, <laughs> will they have push cart? Yeah, I don't even know how this is going to go. I just yeah. know that they won't have a caddy. And I think that's what's exciting about this is that <laughs> to a degree, even the players don't even know how this is going to go. And, you know, just the sheer fact that Mike Tarico is going to be remote. I mean, it opens up a lot of opportunities to learn about really broadcasting and how an event can be put together, even if you have to abide by these social distancing guidelines and all of this. So it really is interesting. And it's a nice, I guess, for a lack of a better word, appetizer for Tiger and Phil and Brady and Manning. So this is going to be really good. And yeah, I mean, don't write off Matthew Wolf. He won the 3M Open back in 2019. And this guy, he can hit the ball. So, you know, he brings a lot of firepower. So I would not write him off at all. Obviously, he's not the big name among the four. But I think he fits in nicely. And this is going to be really interesting to watch. So. I'm really pumped about it. I think it's going to be just great for the country in general. And um, it's a good step in the right direction. And hey, Bridget, maybe there's an element to where, you know, Jay Monahan watches this and learns from it. And maybe he can apply some of these, I guess, practices to the regular PGA Tour schedule too, right? Maybe he's learning from this. Yeah. And I mean, this match is like a pure public service. Like all the money is going to go to COVID relief. Yep. So like that opportunity to contribute like to such a world worthy cause like that is, is awesome for golf. I, I don't know. Like, um, if I don't know, honestly, I don't know what Jay Monahan's doing, but yeah, like why <laughs> wouldn't he take some, something away from this? I'm sure he's going to be, you know, kept in the mix of how everything is so sort of going about and how they're going to get things, um, I definitely, I definitely think for like televised like issues, this is a really good benchmark test to like figure out how many people do you actually need to get right. this on, you know, the air pretty much. Um, and like, maybe they'll have more than they need. And then you'll realize like, oh, hey, we actually don't need this many people. We could do it with less. So I think this is um, really good in that case because fans aren't going to events for the foreseeable future. So as long as they can figure out how they could get it on to the television, I think it's going to be um, a, a lesson well learned. 
And it's a beautiful thing for the sports gambling industry as well, particularly betonline.ag. So let's hear a word from them here on the Tiger Woods podcast. All right, guys, I know that sports right now are on hold, but they aren't totally done. There's still eSports, American Idol, Big Brother, The Elections, The Spelling Bee, Poker. They're still fun to be had at betonline.ag. Use my promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag. Use my promo code MYPOD100. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, welcome back to the show. Cam Rogers, Bridget Whalen, the Tiger Woods podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Let's talk about some other notes and news around the tour here, Bridget. And let's talk about the Corn Ferry Tour because that is going to be resuming on June 11th at TPC Sawgrass, on paper at least. Mike Weir going to be participating in the first tournament. Other past PGA Tour winners, Tommy Ganey, Sean O'Hare, Camilla Vijegas, Robert Garrigus, along with the 2003 Masters champion. So this is kind of cool, Bridget, too. I mean, yeah, we love our PGA Tour golf, but, you know, the Corn Ferry Tour getting going at uh, TPC Sawgrass, good for Ponte Vedra Beach. Not great because they don't have the Players' Championship on their resume this year, but, you know, a little exposure for the golf course this year. Yeah, I like it. I love Mike Weir. Man, that guy is like, he's an enigma to me. So he's 49. So he's approaching the champ, the PJ Tour champions. Yep. And to see him like have this never give up attitude, which I feel like he's had pretty much his whole career. It's crazy. Like his mindset, like inspires me. Um, so I, I'm super excited when I read that he was going to be uh, coming back to the Corn Ferry Tour. I, you know, I got, I got half, I was excited for him. He had uh, a little bit of a rough go um, with his girlfriend's daughter recently. So I like any positive Mike Weir news. And now that made it even sweeter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all know Mike Weir's runs in the early 2000s, 2003, obviously was a fantastic year for him, especially at the majors, 04, 05, 06. He was in contention a few times as well. So it's good to see him, uh, Still grinding it out, Bridget, and I think it is a testament to there are other golfers on the PGA Tour who are not elite stars and who not, you know, don't have to and actually have to participate in as many tournaments as they can to really just have a living. And maybe Mike Weir isn't totally that example, but there are guys out there, especially on the Corn Ferry Tour, who are trying to get by, especially during this pandemic. And I think that's important to kind of zone in on as well. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I think it's super cool. He, um, he mentioned that the President's Cup, the team room, it really gave him like inspiration. It gave him that little jolt um, that basically he got from playing on the Corn Prairie Tour that to see like his fellow Canadians to like see how well they're doing and like he has inspiration like that. Like I love hearing about a player who, who had, who is like that. Like, yeah. I just, I love him for that. I'm like, man, the, the team room got this guy excited for his game. And yeah, you're totally right. There are so many golfers out there who this is their livelihood. You know, they, they, they got to get back into it. Um, I know we put a lot of focus on, on the big dogs per se, but 
like golf, just like anything else, you know, that this is, they play the game for a living. So I think that it's exciting to see people excited to, to play these first few events, which we have talked about, you know, what, what is the chance of like so-and-so playing and, and who plays and who shows up. And I really don't think that there's going to be that big of a problem of getting people to come out and play. I really don't. I think that if you claim that you're sort of blanketing golfers as like all being guys who miss the point and they're mm. not, that is not like an overwhelming characteristic with all of them. We'll they get about, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, so I, I like it. I think it's important to have people like Mike Weir out there. I mean, I'm just like a big fan of the guys. So now I feel like I'm geeking out. Well, how can you not root for him, obviously? So we'll see what happens on June 11th at TPC. We'll see if it comes to fruition, but still on paper, nice to see. And meanwhile, you have Kevin Kisner, Brooks Kepka, a lot of guys practicing as we get closer to this scheduled start to the PGA Tour season, Bridget. And what did you think of Kiz and Brooks shelling out their swings? Yeah, I mean, they're amazing. <laughs> I was like, these guys, geez. Like, I, Kisner's, the clip that Kisner released was so short. I think I watched it like 30 times. Slow-mo. <laughs> I was like, man, if I could hit an iron like that, I would just, I don't know. <laughs> like that, that, I could look like a troll and I don't know. And if I was able to hit hit the ball like that, yeah, I'd be fine. <laughs> That'd be great. And then the the Brooks swing video was just I reposted it. It's you know, it's drool worthy. He just and, pounds the ball. Yeah, and he he literally said, Yeah, I didn't pick up a club in like six weeks. <laughs> and that's yeah. classic Brooks, of course. <laughs> no <Classic>. problem. <laughs> yeah, no problem at all. No, no problem. So I loved it. I'm like, oh, Swing videos <laughs> got me very excited. So very Any content we can possibly get is what we need right now. Speaking of Brooks, so he made some recent comments about Michael Jordan and, you know, Tiger and the Masters, and especially this coming Masters, saying that it could be even par or close to that as the winning score, saying, quote, every par five basically plays into the wind from what I've been told. It's going to change the golf course. I think you'll see scores around even par instead of that 12, 15 under that you've been accustomed to. And I think it could really affect the back nine. So Bridget, I will turn to you here. Do you think this fall Masters tournament is going to be a U.S. Open-esque type of feel? No. <laughs> Augusta, it's Augusta. Um, well, regardless, Brooks, I know he's from Florida. So like... Man, like, it's probably going to be t about 10 degrees colder than April on average. I looked this up. This isn't just me, like, waxing poetically over here. So, yeah, it's going to be longer, softer, of course. But November isn't winter there. And even winter in Augusta is described as mild. So, uh, you think it's a stretch a bit? Yeah, quote unquote, so cold. He's from Florida. <laughs> so, like, what is his. Like, what's his subjective version of cold? Like, cold for me is, like, negative 10. <laughs> so, it's not going to be so cold. But, so, there's another thing to, like, keep in mind about Augusta, right? It's It has a bomber-friendly characteristic. Like, there's forgiveness for Miss Fairways. Now, they have the sub-air system. So, like, I don't know what their greens are going to be running in November. I really don't. But if there's any course to make them run freakishly lunatically not normal it's augusta mm. so 
I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, it was weird. And we know that more than half of the holes on that course lack fairway bunkers. So like, no, it's not going to play like a U.S. Open. And the second cut measures like less than an inch and a half. It's super like, short. Yeah, compared to like two to four inches at normal venues, let alone U.S. Open venues. So no, <laughs> it's not going to look like a drastically different course. This is the one thing I don't like. Like, yes, it's going to play slight, slightly or, or maybe a lot differently, but it's not going to play like drastically differently. And I talked about Pebble Beach, how Phil – you know, has said that the Pro-Am compared to the U.S. Open, yeah, it's a different course. Well, sure, I get it. It's set up differently. It, it's a different time of year. But we're talking about the Masters and the Masters. We're not talking about, like, some event that's held at Augusta and the Masters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a different time of year, but it's the same major championship. So they're going to simulate the, the test of golf. It, it was hard before. It's going to be hard again. I don't – do I think the the score will be close to even? I don't know. It, the score is not consistent anyway for the winner. So, I don't know, Brooks. But I think maybe he'll win it. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> After like, all of that, maybe he'll win. I mean, it, uh, I don't know. No, I get it's, you. This is definitely a, a Rory and a Brooks, like, open that window and see if you could get a green jacket. I really think that gamesmanship i love it yeah. let's talk about testing and the potentiality to return to golf of course testing is a big time key to return to the game and also really return to normal life so according to espn the tour is looking at having players self-test for the virus at home before leaving for the event again after arriving at the tournament site and then once more during the week any positive test for the virus would preclude a player from competing and force him into self-quarantine. Other issues that are to be determined, of course, will caddies be able to tend a flag stick, rake bunkers, will close interaction between players and caddies be allowed, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of testing, ESPN kind of laid out a little roadmap there, Bridget. What do you think about that three times, essentially, during the tournament week? Yeah, I think it's definitely a good idea to have them test before they leave, right? Before they get on um, an airplane. Yeah. Because then you could identify, okay, well, they didn't have it when they left their home. And God forbid, I'm just saying, they have it now after they traveled. So then you're like, okay, well, the biggest factors for me here are the travel and the lodging. Where so these important. Where are going to stay. Yeah, like those are the two glaring, like, red herrings like sound the alarm like eh, 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 like those it causes a lot of issues for me um i know that they're on track for june great wonderful those two factors makes me think it's just i i, I don't know i think it's, it's an uphill a, climb still, yeah it's still it's a huge hurdle it's still a little a little too soon for me because so say like yeah now they're going to be tested after arriving on site and then once more during the week. So then does that mean like if one of those guys gets a positive test, they have to quarantine in that city? I almost think you have to shut down the event because who knows who that well, player for, has interacted for, with. For sure. I mean, yeah, unless you have like a, a record of like they have to keep a tally of who they come in with less than six feet, which yeah. is, is so hard to attain that standard. But my thing is like, 
are these guys going to risk it to then get trapped in, in Texas for two weeks? Cause you can't travel then. And then how many people are going to be trapped in Texas? And then where are they going to be trapped? What, like, where do they stay? So my issue isn't really the testing um, precautions. It's the spin forward to someone testing positive and lay out that outline for me. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what the plan, it, even if there is a plan, I don't know if there's a plan, what the plan would be if a player or, or someone else, personnel, caddy, whatever, test positive, then what? Then, then how does that look? And that's what I'm most interested in and that I really haven't heard anything about. Yeah, and I bet you as we speak, PJ Tour officials are trying to create that sort of plan here as we go along with the virus. So that's really interesting. But some positive news here, Bridget, TPC Harding Park opened on May 4th. Positive news for the PGA Championship happening this August. I also want to point out that, of course, Harding Park is in the San Francisco area, and that city was probably the first major town to put in big mitigation measures for the coronavirus. So you're seeing some positivity out of that area of the country. The quote-unquote plan is to have fans, but that ain't happening. I just cannot see it at all. But good news nonetheless, right, Bridget? Yeah, I love it. When I saw that, you know, that I thought that was great because that course closed super early in, in the scheme of this whole thing. So that was exciting for me that, you know, it's already open and and the championship is in August. So we're months away. Like who thought that, you know, we'd be months away of, of anything where it could be like, well, now we have months in preparation before the actual championship. But I agree with you. There will be no fans anywhere until we have some like global vaccine. And that's just, I mean, that's just like brass tacks. Like it, it would be irresponsible to yeah. like throw, it'd be like cattle, just like, you know, you, you've been to an event. It's right. you're, you're touching strangers shoulders constantly, especially a champ. I mean, granted, if they want to knock down the, you know, if they do like 25% fan capacity, okay, maybe, I don't know, maybe they could do that then. Like we're um, in the first phase here of opening up in central Florida. So our restaurants right now are opening at 25% capacity and it's doing pretty well. So maybe if they do like 25% of the ticket sales, who knows? Yeah, maybe then they could do it. That I'm not going to rule it out, but unless you're able to keep that six foot, you know, distance, that like magic number between people, I, I just don't see fans sort of being anywhere um, this year. Something definitely to monitor as we get closer here to the scheduled start of the PGA Tour season. Let's get into some Wednesday wackiness. We have a few points to touch on. Let's start with Scott Stallings' takes on golf right now. So I'll give you the full picture here, Bridget. In an interview with Golf.com, Stallings said some tour players would draw the line at various limitations being discussed by the tour as it anticipates as it anticipates resuming its schedule next month. Guys are not going to play for their livelihood with no rakes in the bunker and no caddies, Stalling said. That's just not going to happen. I'm fully confident that there are going to be guys who choose not to play. Now, Stallings, or Stallings said that uh, this was not his personal opinion, but this is what he thinks others out there on the PJ Tour sphere may feel. So. I guess to Scott, I would say, yeah, maybe, 
but what percentage of players actually feel that way? Bridget, I'll toss it to you. I'm not really sure, but I don't think he speaks for the majority of PGA Tour players, or at least maybe he thinks he is, but maybe not. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was missing context. Yeah. He wasn't asked his personal reservations. He was asked basically if he could cite reasons in general why a tour player wouldn't want to return to competition. So he was like tasked with coming up with, you know, sort of ideas as to why they would have a reservation to play. So I, I kind of felt bad for the guy because I heard he got like a lot of pushback. Like um, DMs from, up the wazoo. Yeah. yeah. And I get it because you know, this is another case of like, wow, tour players, they really live on another planet. Like they're totally missing the point here. So he wasn't talking about himself. I don't think he was talking about a majority of anyone. I think he was sort of just throwing out plausibilities. Mm. Um, I know that Adam Hadwin came out and he cited somewhat similar concerns to that plausible, um, you know, reasoning that Scott had provided. In an interview, he said he would have an issue putting with the flag ticket. So like, I don't know. Tour players, golfers, professional athletes in general, they are very regimented in routine. It's really hard to break that. Even in a global pandemic, even when they should be using eyes wide open to see the bigger picture, they're not always going to. And I think you, they're human. You have to acknowledge that. I think that Stallings, you know, he doesn't feel as strongly, but he does acknowledge that like certain outside the ropes considerations also need to be addressed. So I also think he was coming from like a place of, Hey, these may be the reservations and this may be why, you know, like people don't always say what they mean. So someone could be fearful of travel and blame it on a flag stick. And that's just life. People do that all the time. Like that's normal. So I think you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, I think that Stallings did say most of his concerns are related to, you know, if a player does test positive, then like would all players be forced to quarantine? So to know that he actually, he did say that. So players are thinking like that, I think is very important for Jay Monahan to hear that players are nervous about, you know, having to quarantine in a tournament city at their own expense, even if they're not positive, but someone who they were, you know, in close proximity with is. Um, and I know that like the health and safety measures, they're definitely still under review. So I, I kind of feel bad for Stallings here. I think he was taken out of context. But Pat Perez, you know, we, we heard doesn't want to travel because he doesn't want to subject his family to that. So there are reservations. Sure. Are they because there's no rakes in the bunkers, probably not. But is that a good way to sort of say that you have a reservation and blame it on a tangible thing like that? Yeah, I I probably would do that too. So I, I don't know. I think that um, it's unfortunate kind of how he was taken out of context, but that, you know, that happens all the time. Everyone wants golf to get back, but it's not like as simple as like, hey, let's just like throw all these players out there and they'll social distance because golf is a social distance sport anyway. I just don't think there's anybody in the PGA Tour circle that actually wants to sprint back and, you know, with arms wide open and let's give this a shot sort of thing. Everybody wants the proper policies, regulations, restrictions, whatever in place to actually be safe. I don't think anybody wants to risk their lives. I don't think so. Yeah, context matters. That's the uh, big takeaway here, folks. Let's talk about Brooks Kepka's haircut by his girlfriend. <laughs> and 
I saw this too, Bridget. What do you make of this? Because it's actually applicable to a lot of us out there as we try to figure out how to trim our vegetation on our head, on our heads, if you will. It made me love him so much more. <laughs> that he was, he was okay with posting all those. He doesn't care what he looks no. like. His girlfriend's a model. <laughs> He's, you know... I don't know. He's doing well. <laughs> that was great. The self-deprecating factor of that was wonderful. Um, and it was really funny. It was great, you know, comic relief in a time that like everyone needs it. He looked crazy. <laughs> Dude, but, he's got to own it. Just own it. <laughs> yeah. And hair grows back. And he has that mustache going. I think that was like his saving grace. He's like, I could be bald. I got this mustache. <laughs> totally. Totally. No, he's pretty good at rocking whatever just because he's so nonchalant about it so sure. it's like you know what dude like do you I have no judgment here he uh, cares if the media likes him but he doesn't care what he looks like sure exactly <laughs> that's a perfect way to put Brooks Kepka into a little vacuum there in terms of a summary <laughs> I hope he's not listening <laughs> let's talk about Rory McIlroy's Milk Bar birthday cake. Now, you taught me off air what the heck Milk Bar is. You're the, the uh, New York gal here. So what do you make of this? Obviously, it would have been a very expensive shipment for Rory. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, let's just say I'm probably the only person on the planet that was like, oh my gosh, that's a Milk Bar cake. I wonder if you got shipped from Manhattan. <laughs> There's no way I would have picked up on that. No, I'm sure nobody on the planet um, had that thought because typically the people who follow golf are not Milk Bar aficionados. <laughs> I don't know how overlapping those two worlds are. Um, I'm a big Milk Bar fan. When I was growing up, they used to have a crack pie, and it literally was like crack. I think it's now referred to as the milk bar pie. The most delicious thing on the planet. So Rory knows some good confections. My thought was, man, of course, I don't think that he paid for that cake. No but way. if he did, the shipping probably cost three times as much as the cake itself. So I was like, wow, he must really love milk bar. But I'm sure that it was uh, gifted to him. A little birthday gift, maybe. <laughs> I'm like, you made me want a milk bar cake. So you better believe I went and I looked how much the shipping would cost. And I'm also in Florida. And let's just say it's not worth it. <laughs> I'm salivating looking at their website right now. You have the sampler, the sweetie, the little something. Oh, oh my God. They used to have this like, oh man, I don't even know. I'm not even going to get into it. <laughs> my mouth is also watering now. But yeah, if, if y'all out there don't know what milk bar is, you should just go check it out milkbarstore.com they are not a sponsor of the show but check them out i'm like are we gonna be sponsored now imagine if milk bar sent us cakes <laughs> i'm gonna have to inhale it i can't actually eat it because of my no sugar added lifestyle bridget yeah yeah you could send yours to me i'll eat them both there you go absolutely so yeah i clearly folks choose not to enjoy food let's put it that way and um, all I do in life is wonder what is my next meal going to be. <laughs> we honestly, be more different. <laughs> that's all of us in quarantine right now. It's like, okay, let's go meal to meal. What am I going to eat for lunch? How about snack yeah. at three? <laughs> yeah, like what else is there to look forward to besides eating? Pretty much. Well, hey, we got a couple of big time tournaments this month, folks. So we're really excited about that. Plenty of more analysis coming your way for those two charity events. 
This has been episode 39 of the Tiger Woods podcast. For Bridget Whalen. I am Cam Rogers. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll chat with you next week. See you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.